Welcome to the Cross Church Podcast. This week's message is from Sunday, August 4th, 2019. Pastor Allen reviews Psalm 34. Enjoy. Well, we're continuing our summer series in the Psalms, and uh, it's hard to believe we're past the halfway mark. And uh, we just got to, including today, just four more messages uh, in the Psalms. Um, David is... Uh, is a man, a character of the Bible that has inspired people for 3,000 years. And we have seen it uh, in our artwork, sculptures, um, uh, artwork, uh, paintings, and uh, TV shows, movies, and so on and so forth. And there's a reason for that. It's something that, that resonates with every one of us. God, God loves even sinners. And David, as you know, if, 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 if you haven't read the Bible, I'll tell you, David, uh, David was not a perfect man. He committed adultery. He murdered. Took up a, a census in, in great pride and arrogance. And yet still God considered him a man after God's own heart. So the good news for everybody here today is that if God could love David and call him a man after his own heart, then the good news is that God can love you, and God will not forget about you. But understand this. It depends on your response. It depends on your response to God. Last week, we talked about living a life of repentance, a life of surrender to God. And, and so this morning, we're going to look at Psalm 34. But before we do, let me just show you a piece of artwork here, artwork inspired by the life of David, that's a young David, and uh, it's kind of a gruesome piece of work, but it's, it's by the Italian artist Caravaggio from the 1600s, and uh, this painting is, is in Vienna. Many, many paintings like it. People inspired by the little guy taking care of the bully. Now, this Goliath, as some of you know, is somewhere between seven and, and nine feet tall. He's a, we're, we're not exactly sure, but we do know this. He's taller than the average guy. Uh, Goliath is a Philistine from the city of Gath. And just keep that in mind because we're going to visit Gath again in just a moment. But Goliath was challenging the armies of Israel. And he said, well, look, rather than our army fighting your army, why don't you just send out one of your best fighters and that will determine who is the servant and who is the master. If I win, then you will serve us. If you win, then we'll serve you. But Goliath in no way believed that that was going to happen. He was quite confident, quite sure that Israel would be serving the Philistines. And so Goliath was standing there hurling his blasphemies and trying to intimidate Israel. Really, Goliath is a type of Satan, really, accusing and, and mocking and laughing at and mocking Israel's God and mocking them. And David, as you know, hears this, and he decides that he's going to take, he's going to be the one that takes Goliath on. Now, just a reminder to you, before all this happens, David is minding his sheep. He's a shepherd of the sheep of his father. And the prophet Samuel calls David in and says, David, you must come, and, uh, and I'm going to anoint you with oil. And he anoints David with oil so that David then could become the new king of Israel. Now, 
none of this made maybe a lot of sense to David. He didn't really understand how this was going to play out. Uh, David, you know, was a shepherd. Uh, David didn't, didn't really, I don't think at that time, fully get what was going on. But I do know this, is that David had a remarkable relationship with God. He knew who God was, and his desire, his longing, was to defend the name of the Lord And there's no way that anybody, nine feet or five feet, is going to challenge his God without him standing up and defending the honor of God. Well, it was precisely because of this that David is catapulted into uh, public office and national fame. Everybody knew who David was. And so here's what happened. Uh, David didn't just become famous, he became too famous. It made made Saul jealous. Saul was the king at that time. He was very jealous of David. And he thinks to himself, well, maybe if I send David out to battle, maybe David will meet his end in battle. So David is made a commander of a thousand men, and uh, Saul sends him on all kinds of of battles, all kinds of raids. And the the thing is, is that David wins every single time. He never loses. Every time he comes back and David is getting stronger and stronger in the eyes of the people and also in the eyes of the king. That's right, he's becoming too famous. And people began to sing songs. They sang songs like this. Uh, I won't sing it. I'll just tell you what they said. David has, has, or Saul has slain his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. And here's what, here's what Samuel says about David. He said, David continued to succeed in everything that he did. For the Lord was with him. And when Saul recognized this, he became even more afraid of David. Now, first of all, let me just point something out here. David was not threatening Saul. David was not after Saul's job. David... He, was just, he just wanted to serve his king. In fact, when he had the chance to kill Saul, he, David said, there's not a chance that that's going to happen. I am not going to touch the Lord's anointed, who is Saul. Now, David was faithful to Saul. And, of course, this made Saul even more afraid of David. But look at this. David continued to succeed in everything he did, for the Lord was with him. I want to ask you a question. Do you want to know the success of God in your life? And I know that everybody here today uh, is shy and too afraid to say it, but the fact of the matter is, is yes. You want to know God's blessing, God's help. You want to know success in your life. Well, this is what we know about David. Because he faithfully served God, Because he faithfully obeyed and did God's will, we know that it was because of this that David succeeded in everything he did. Saul, on the other hand, was not obedient to God. In fact, Saul was told by Samuel that he would lose his throne and that somebody else would take his place. Now, I'm... I'm, I highly doubt that David would have discussed any of this with Saul, but Saul knew the truth. 
He knew that in his, he knew in his own heart that he was a disobedient man. He knew that he was a man who was not obedient to the Lord. And I can't get into the whole story of it today, but I, I, uh, I would encourage you, go and read 1 Samuel. The whole book tells a story about Saul and how David takes his throne, or how God gives David the throne. David continued to succeed in everything he did, for the Lord was with him. Now, the question is this. Why was God with David, and why was God not with Saul? I mean, after all, David was a murderer and adulterer, but Saul was not. I don't know if you noticed that. In fact, it seems to me that David's sin was in many ways worse than Saul's sin. What's the difference? Well, here's what we know about David. David had a repentant heart. In fact, there's a number of the Psalms, and we're going to actually look at one of them, where the whole Psalm is devoted to David pouring out his grief, his sorrow, his shame, his guilt before the Lord, asking God to forgive him. Saul, on the other hand, was not apologizing or saying sorry for anything. His heart was filled with arrogance and pride. And even when he was called out on his sin, he refused to admit it. He refused to surrender his heart to God. And so here's what happens. David is a man who serves God, while Saul does not serve God. And by the way, what you need to understand is that if you're going to know God's blessing in your life, then you need to serve God. You need to obey Him. You need to do God's will, as, as Jesus says, on earth as it is in heaven, if you want to succeed. I don't know everybody's story here, but I know the story of many people here. I don't know of anybody here that today that would say they didn't want to know God's success in their life. But if you want to know God's success in your life, then you're going to have to do what David did. In fact, you're going to have to do what every godly man and woman in the Bible ever did to know God's blessing, and that is to obey. In fact, in, in one of the Psalms, David says to obey is better than sacrifice. And of course, he heard that from none other than Samuel himself. To obey is better than sacrifice. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him. Now, here's the thing. Saul starts to pursue David, and he thinks to himself, if David is a threat to my throne, there's only one way to deal with that. I'm going to kill him. And so he begins to pursue David. The, the, the people of Israel are surrounded by, by enemies, enemies on every side. And rather than Saul going after the enemies of Israel, what he does is he, he gathers his armies together to go after one man who's not a threat, who didn't say anything about taking over his throne. Folks, I want you to understand something. When you start disobeying God, when you start going your own way, then you start making really stupid decisions. You really start making really, really bad, dumb decisions. You start wasting your resources. You start wasting the things that God has given to you. You start taking God for granted, and you start going down really, really dark paths. 
The minute you start obeying God, that's when you, your path is clear. That's when you have clarity. That's when you have insight. That's when you have wisdom. And you start making right decision after right decision. And that's what Saul was doing, just being dumb, really dumb. But David was wise. His desire was to honor God and to please God. And so, so David, being pursued by Saul and his armies, he thinks to himself, where can I go and hide? Because they'll find me wherever I go. And then suddenly he gets a brainwave. I know where to go. I'll go to Goliath's city. They'll never think of finding me there. And so that's what he does. He goes to Gath, thinking that in Gath, he'll be able to hide and no one will find him there. The problem is, is that he's a famous man. Now this, my friends, is what brings us to Psalm 34. What happens next is why Psalm 34 was written. So here's David in the in the land of Gath. And Psalm 34 begins with these words, a Psalm of David regarding the time he pretended to be insane in front of Abimelech, also called Achish, who sent him away. Well, what do we mean? Well, there's David among the people of Gath and someone spots him and they immediately run to the king and here's what he says. Is not this David? He is king of the land of Judah. But in fact, he's not the king of Judah, at least not yet. But he's so famous and such a big character that the men of Gath assume that David must be the king. No wonder Saul is jealous. And this man says they sing about him when they dance. They say Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed tens of thousands. 1 Samuel 21.11. And so what happens next is really quite intriguing. It says in verse 13, so David pretended to be insane, scratching the, on doors and drooling on his beard. It's really quite, it's quite comical. And finally, the king said to his men, must you bring me a madman? We already have enough of them around here. <laughs> Why should I let someone like this be my guest? And the next thing you know, David got away. It was for this reason that David writes this glorious psalm, Psalm 34. In the psalm, David glorifies his kind and merciful God. By the way, in case you're wondering, Psalm 34 is an interesting psalm in that it is an acrostic. There's 22 verses in that psalm, and each verse begins with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet, starting from Alf, Aleph and right down to the end. Now, Psalm 34 is actually a description of the Christian life. For many people, when I ask you, what does it mean to be a Christian? They'll say, well, it means I asked Jesus into my heart. At some point or another, I came forward in church, I said a prayer, I asked Jesus to come into my life, and that's it. But here's what you need to know about Psalm 34. Psalm 34 actually is what we would call a, a pragmatic or practical psalm. It tells us how to live. It tells us what to do. It tells us not only what to believe, but it tells us what to do. 
David, the man after God's own heart, shows us how to live a life that pleases God. Let me just read to you those first few verses. Psalm 34, starting at verse 1. I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. David's speaking right from his heart. He was helpless. Things were falling apart. Things were caving in on him. But he says, I will boast in the Lord. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation, I prayed and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles. For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Did you know, by the way, that you have a guardian angel? A lot of people don't know that. A lot of people think that's mythology from our childhood. Some people have seen pictures of guardian angels overlooking children and think, well, that's just for kids. But the Bible is clear that every one of us has a guardian angel. And this is what David's referring to here. For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. We recognize that above all things, David is a man who knows how to express gratitude and thanksgiving to God. Can I ask you a question today? Do you know how to give thanks to God? Is this something that is in your, on your lips and in your heart all the time? Is this the way you live? Because for David, giving thanks to God was a way of life. Now, if anybody had a reason to, to, to not be giving thanks to God, we could argue that David would be that man. I mean, God has him anointed to be the king, and yet here's Saul chasing David around the land, putting him in, in dangerous positions. And you could just, you could just hear David uh, being tempted to, to whine and complain, God, I thought you loved me. God, I thought we were, I became a Christian. I thought things would go better for me. Uh, God, after all I've done for you and after all the money that I've given, and God, how could you let this happen to me? What about all your promises, God? Is that you today? Tempted to complain? Here's what Satan loves to do. He loves to get our attention off of God, our focus off of God. He wants us to get our focus on ourselves. He wants us to get our focus on our circumstances. He wants us to get our focus on people. And here's the thing. Every time you focus on yourself, or you focus on your problems, or you focus on the people around you, because everybody's going to let you down at one time or another, at some point or another, that's when you forget about God. But David understands he cannot afford to do that. He cannot afford to get his focus off of God because in that moment that he forgets who God is, that's when he's going to start messing up. That's when he's going to get into trouble. And so David makes worship and thanksgiving a critical part of his life. I'm going to tell you today, if you're a Christian... If you call yourself a Christian, if you are truly a follower of Jesus Christ, then you need to understand that the first thing you need to do 
is give God thanks. Not because of your circumstances, but in spite of your circumstances. If somebody followed you around for a week, what would they report? She complains nonstop. She grumbles. She, she forgets about God. I'm not even sure that he's a Christian. Or would you be like David, giving God thanks? God brought me through this, this dark valley. Hallelujah, I made it through the dark valley. What do we normally do? I had to go through a dark valley. <laughs> Completely the wrong approach to this. God, I thought you loved me. How could you allow this to happen to me? Hey, can I just remind everybody of something? This world is not our home. God is, is not the God of this world. Satan is the God of this world. Paul reminds us of that. You understand that today? This world is, as we know it, is not heaven. Some people think we're living in heaven right now. And there's a lot of people who are coming from third world countries, coming to Canada, thinking, ah, finally, I've come to heaven. And you discover, this ain't, this ain't heaven. In fact, I'm going to tell you that the dangers in North America are far greater than the dangers in, in third world countries. And why is that? Because in third world countries where there's governments that are opposed to Christianity, they can kill your body. But big deal. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you know that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And here in this country, it's, Satan's attacks are, are so subtle, leading us to forget God altogether, leading us to the place where many will say there is no such thing as God. It's amazing what happens when, they're midst, when we're in the midst of, of distress and crises. It's in those times that we realize, hey, I need God. And I need there to be a God. So let me ask you the question today. Where's your focus? And David would tell you right now, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, your focus has to be on God and you need to be giving him praise and thanks. And it's in the midst of the praise and the thanksgiving, day to day, moment by moment, that you will know the power of his spirit enabling you to live the life he's called you to live. There's something else you need to see in these first eight verses. And that is this, David is a witness. He's testifying. If you're, an old time, if you're from a Pentecostal background, then you'll know that in the old time Pentecostal church services, they always had a time for testifying. And what you would do is that you'd stand up and you would tell people of the goodness and the kindness of God to you and how God helped you through. In fact, many of the spiritual songs, this, this, we call them the spirituals or the Negro spirituals from, from 200 years ago, 300 years ago, are beautiful songs of people who in the midst of their horror and the distress of slavery, they understood that this world was not their home. They understood that there was a great and loving God who was waiting for them. And the song goes, well, they celebrate how I got over, how I got over Jordan, how I made it to heaven, how I got through the pressures and the stresses of this world. And even though they're going through such horrors, they're rejoicing. Their hearts are focused on God, not on the things of this world. So let me ask you today, Where's your focus? 
If you're a Christian, your focus has to be on God, and you need to be giving him praise and giving him thanks moment by moment because he's going to bring you through. He's going to bring you through. You're going through a hard time right now? Get your eyes on Jesus. Begin to worship him and just remind yourself as you're worshiping that God will never leave you nor forsake you. Here's what David says in this, these, these two powerful verses about the joy that belongs to the follower of Christ. Those who look to God for help will be radiant with joy. Hey, do you want to get your joy back? Get your eyes focused on Jesus once again. Because those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. And then verse 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Folks, this is what it means to be a Christian. And David is testifying here. He's saying, I have experienced it myself. I have the joy of the Lord. Even though I'm being attacked on every side, I am joyful. I am happy. Anybody would look at David and say, David, quite frankly, I think you're nuts. Who could be joyful and happy when being pursued by an army? And David would say, the armies of this earth may be after me, but the host of heaven is going before me and behind me. In case you don't know what the host of heaven is, it's the armies of heaven. And the armies of this earth are no match for the armies of God. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you today, the armies of God are on your side. They're around you, they're before you, they're behind you, and they're going with you. But keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't turn your eyes to your problems. Don't be like Peter, who when called by Christ to come walk on the water, he got his eyes off of Jesus, looked at the water, and he began to sink. He began to fail. He went down. Some of you are like that right now. You're beginning to sink. You're beginning to drown. And I'm telling you today, what you need to do is get your eyes on Jesus, because there's a whole army, the hosts of heaven, that's going to bring you through if you let them if you let them. That's what David's talking about here. This is the Christian life. And then David goes on to say this. Fear the Lord, you, his godly people. For those who fear him will have all that they need. Even strong young lions sometimes go hungry. But those who trust the Lord will lack no good thing. Come to my children, come, come my children and listen to me and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Does anyone want to live a life that is long and prosperous? Let me ask you that again. Does anyone want to live a life that's long and prosperous? Ryan does. Then David says that keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord will watch over those who do right. His ears are open to their cries for help. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. He will erase their memory from the earth. Now, we understand in the Christian life, I have to be a, a, a man who's, worship, who's a worshiper, who keeps his eyes on Jesus, that walks closely with the Lord and enjoys God's help and strength. But that's not enough. David reminds us here that you and I have to live a holy life. 
You can't be, you can't be going around causing strife. I know a lot of people over the years who called themselves Christians, but they did anything but act like one. Causing strife, slandering. If there's peace, they start the division going. They start gossiping. Telling lies. God warns us. If you want to know his blessing and his strength, and you can't live an un an unholy life. It's just not acceptable to God. In fact, here's, here's what David says there. The, fear the Lord, you his godly people. Are you, are, you God, are you a godly person? If you're a Christian today, then by definition, you're supposed to be a godly person. Fear the Lord, you his godly people, for those who fear him will have all they need. Now, I have people come to me and say, Pastor, God's not meeting my needs. I'm, in, I'm constantly in trouble. I don't, I, I don't have... Well, my Bible tells me that God is going to meet your needs, so we've got a problem here. This is a symptom of a deeper problem. It's time for you to get your eyes on Jesus and start living the way that God has called you to live, and the promise is he will meet your need. David says, but the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. He, in fact, he'll erase their memory from the earth. Hey, folks, I would say to you that this, this here tells us the, dif the difference between a person who's truly converted versus somebody who just likes to call himself a Christian. In fact, there's a lot of people who call themselves Christians that have caused a lot of damage to the, to the church and to the cause of Christ. They go around calling themselves Christians, but they, they do evil, and their hearts are far from God, and they don't have the blessing of God in their life. I hope that's not you. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if you want to know God's blessing in your life, then you're going to have to learn what it means to fear him. To, to fear God is just, a, is just a fancy way to say, obey him and do his will. Or as David would say, to serve God. Do you know that the, the, the term, the phrase, serving God, is just another way of describing those who are Christians. People who are calling themselves Christians are people who serve God. The Bible says the Lord watches over those who do right. His ears are open to their cries for help. Hey, listen, if you feel like when you pray that the heavens are brass and your prayers aren't getting through, then maybe what you need to do is you need to look at your life and see if your life is lining up according to God's word and his will. Because that's what a Christian is. A Christian is somebody, listen to this, a Christian is somebody who does God's will every time. By the way, that is what holiness is doing God's will every time. David, uh, David closes with these words. The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from their troubles, from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue each time. For the Lord protects the bones of the righteous. Not one of them is broken. Calamity will surely overtake the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be punished. But the Lord will redeem those who serve him. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. Look at that. The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue each time. 
hey, you know what? It's time for us to grow up. It's time for us to mature. And have, it's time for us to understand what this world is really all about. Hebrews 11 talks about men and women of faith. And what do we recognize about these men and women of faith? Not that they get what they want every time, but that God is with them. These are a people who understand that this world is not our home. We're passing through. How many understand that today? You've heard me say it so many times, but I'm going to tell you, if you don't start living in light of eternity, with the understanding that we're on this earth for a short time and then we're gone, if you don't understand that, then you can't live this Christian life. Because this Christian life has a goal, and that goal is eternity with Christ. The righteous person faces many troubles. As long as you're on this planet, you're going you're gonna to go through difficulty. It's just the sad reality. It's because we're living on planet Earth. It's because we're not in heaven yet. But what I do know is that those of us who are, in fact, righteous, those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ, the good news is that even though you face many troubles, the Lord comes to your rescue each time. Hallelujah. You're not walking this world alone. You're not walking alone. You have somebody who's with you at all times. In fact, Jesus, Jesus said, unless I go away, the comforter will not come. Who is that comforter? It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit walks with, dwells within, is alongside every single man, woman, and child who has put his or her faith in Christ. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you're living an unrighteous life, if you're not obedient, if you're like Saul, disobedient, proud, too proud to admit your sin, too proud to repent, then you do not have the help of God. You've come out from under God's protection. I'm going to tell you something right now. There's nothing that terrifies me more than coming out from under God's protection. As a believer and as a follower of Jesus Christ, I am under the umbrella of God's love and his protection. And there's no other place I want to be. I do not want to ever lose my place under that umbrella of his protection. Would you say amen to that? Folks, this is your promise. That's what Psalm 34 is all about. David is saying today, you have God's protection. You've got his help. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. But folks, if you're living in disobedience, if you are running from God, if you're living the unrighteous life, then you are absolutely forfeiting God's help and his protection. David closes with a shocking word, and that's, my word for you this, this morning. The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. And then, but the Lord will redeem those who serve him. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. I want you to see something here. I want you to see that the Lord redeems those who serve him. And if you're not serving him, if you're not living in obedience to him, then you're not going to know his protection. You're not going to know his help. You come out from under the, the umbrella of his, of his help and his protection. Would you stand with me, please? God, we want to say thank you this morning for the promise from Psalm 34 of, of, of your help. You rescue us when we're in trouble. You give us wisdom to know how to handle King Achish. 
Even if it means we have to act like we're insane. God, you're there giving wisdom, guiding, and directing. But we do know this, Lord, you're going to get us through. Father, we want to stay under the umbrella of your protection by, by living lives that are holy and godly, righteous. God, we want to live this life that David's talking about, a life of gratitude and praise, getting our focus on you alone, living a life of holiness, and then, Father, staying, staying in that place of protection. So, God, as we go from here this morning, we pray that we would go prepared to surrender to you because even now your spirit is pointing out to each and every one of us those areas, Lord, that are questionable, those areas of sin, those areas of rebellion. And we want to surrender it all to you right now, God, that we would not lose your protection. So we thank you, Father. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for your protection. Thank you, God, for the hope of eternity. Lord, this belongs to everybody who calls himself or herself a believer. And so we pray that in Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me? Tell the person beside you, read Psalm 34.